0: Oops, I made a mistake, and I uh, tried to do a a clip on YouTube without stopping the podcast. So, when I do that, it kind of pollutes the recording. And so, uh, anyway, Guy for threw Eric under the bus, eh, and, um, We just saw, I just saw, Trump's devastating deposition in New York billion dollar cases finally released. This is six hours ago. Considered catastrophic for Trump. He said $1.25 billion. That's what Marlott is worth. He just uses common sense. Ha, you don't have no common sense. Fucking kidding me.
1: Okay, well, I think we'll try to go through your role over time. Okay, because it has changed. Yes, it has. So why is Donald Trump focused on the five or six years? Because he's trying to make an argument that anything he did is barred by the statute of limitations. That's one of the reasons his lawyers are citing this deposition transcript. They say, look, Trump wasn't even involved in this. It was Eric who was involved in it. You see it right there as well in the transcript going to the next kind of key portion. So then the question uh, asked to Donald Trump is, okay, so are you saying that you were too busy for the company? Answered by Trump. In a way, yeah, yeah. I think you can say it. It's another way. way of saying it i was very busy i was i was considered this the most important job in the world saving millions of life he's talking about when he disgraced uh, the white house i think you would have nuclear holocaust if i didn't deal with north korea i think you would have had a nuclear war if i weren't elected and i think you might have a nuclear war now if you want to know the truth question i'm not going to use my seven hours with you mr trump talking about nuclear war Okay. okay and then it goes on, to, this is where Donald Trump on his own starts talking about the valuations that he's making for the different properties and here he's talking about 40 Wall Street and he goes, well, you know, if the city ever comes back, a lot of things change. If the city comes back, you can convert that entire tower of 40 Wall Street into condos and make an absolute fortune, far greater than the five or $600 million probably that the building is worth now, probably more than that. But you'd make a fortune on the condos, I could say, with some. Seven Springs. When I bought Mar-a-Lago, I paid eight million dollars and, and for it. And today, I think we're going to be bringing in people that will tell you that today Mar-a-Lago is worth a 250 fifty. 1.25 billion dollars. Maybe more than that. But I bought it for $8 million in 1985. So Donald Trump is now claiming that mar a lago is worth $1.25 billion dollars um, and then he goes on to talk about uh, the, the the Doral property Doral I think Doral is I guess it's close to seven acres right around there in the middle of Miami right near the airport I could get zoning if I want to I could get zoning of units it's four golf courses and a very large I think 800 rooms magnificent clubhouse all brand new I built it, you know, I ripped it down and rebuilt it, built it, mostly brand new, new clubhouse, new buildings, blew up the golf course, rebuilt it. And I believe that Doral, not as golf, but what you could build on it because it's the best location, it's also zoned for gambling. Inside the perimeter, you know what they did is they have, they created a perimeter for gambling if that gets approved in Florida and if gambling ever got approved in Florida. So one of the things I think to dig deeper into Donald Trump's communications with Ron DeSantis over a gambling license and whether there was quid pro quo's promised by DeSantis to Donald Trump there. Um, Donald Trump goes on to say, um, he claims to have $400 million in cash in the bank. He goes, I don't need money. You probably see the cash. We have a lot of cash. I believe we have substantially in excess of $400 million in cash, which is a lot for a developer. Developers usually don't have cash. They have assets, not cash. We have, I believe, $400 plus and going up very substantially every month. So he's saying he has $400 million of cash in the bank yet. Yeah. He's relying on his political action committee to pay for the forty five or fifty million dollars in legal fees. He's not he has all this cash, he's not using his own cash for that. So now he talks about the NFT deal, uh, and here is what he says about the amount. Uh, the amount here, he goes, and it makes me happy that I think they're averaging about thirteen hundred dollars a card, referring to the NFTs. And they bought it a few months ago for ninety-nine dollars.
0: But some of the cards less. are selling
1: for twenty thousand dollars, and a couple of them, I believe, I'll check this. I'll get you the exact number. Huh. A couple of them are selling for eighty-two thousand dollars, eighty-two thousand one hundred. I heard numbers like that. So somebody so that hit the call jackpot. calls bluff. CPS four hundred million dollars in cash. One of his NFT trading cards is
2: eighty-two thousand. Don't think that is true.
1: Trump goes on to say um, he goes he's talking about the convention center, he talks about how upset he is at paying taxes um, and then here he talks about we can't question i don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time on your brand value because it's not part of your statements of financial conditions the banks didn't want that And donald trump responds, no wait a minute wait a minute it is part of my statement i just didn't include it but if i wanted to include it my statements would have been double and when you say the banks don't i believe the banks would have accepted i mean what bank are you talking about the two banks that i've never even had a default from What are you talking about you're dealing with two banks you're dealing with deutsche bank and you're dealing with latter and you know i paid them so i think donald trump is saying that because he didn't default on loans that he should be what applauded for not defaulting on loans Uh, another question is asked okay do you see below this is referring to the post office building in washington dc that talks about 139 million dollars is held in the title company and then they ask Donald Trump, can I ask you, do you know about this amount, $126 million, if that represents your profit on the transaction? And Trump's response is, I don't know. And that's again another instance where he blames family members or points the finger. You know, ask Eric, ask all of these other people um, uh, instead of himself. Um, going to the next, he talks about the uh, disclaimer provision. He goes, everybody, I mean, I've heard the expression for years. Accounting firms call this a worthless clause. Some people call it a disclaimer. Some people call it a worthless clause. Question, so it's your position then? Donald Trump interrupts? Answer, many lawyers have come to me and said, you have the greatest worthless clause I've ever seen. How could they be using the statement against you? I say because of politics, that's why. I have a clause in there that says, don't believe the statement. Go out and do your own work. The statement is worthless. It means nothing. So Donald Trump is saying that he believes he has a disclaimer in his statement of financial conditions that tell people that his statement of financial conditions are worthless and don't rely on what he is giving to you and and that they're totally false to begin with. And it's absolutely worthless. That's what he said there. Um, Then he claims, he goes, I don't, he goes, I don't need banks for the most part. And then the question is, why don't you need banks? I didn't need banks for the most part. Yeah, so why did you use the banks then, Mr. Trump? Because you do it. It's better for tax-wise. You just do it. I didn't use a bank when I bought Turnberry. I bought it for all cash. I didn't use a bank when I... I don't believe... I believe I put up a lot of money when I bought Doral. One of the reasons Doral was attractive to banks, I could have gotten any bank, you know? Then he continues to talk uh... about... Um, some of the other
2: properties um, and then this is what
0: No bank in America will give that kind of month.
1: He talks about um, uh, how he comes up with his valuations um, and how he claims it's just like common sense. Um, let's take a look at this. Okay, I think we can get back to the loans in a little bit. I'm just saying all I'm doing is talking about values. Question. I understand. So let's go back to talk about values. Answer. That-
0: By the way, I when I put, check him, call his bluffs see if he has $400 million in cash in the bank, and tag Tis James. And I noticed it said, uh, wouldn't let me, well, I posted it once, and then I wanted to put Tis James uh, tagger in it, and uh, then it wouldn't add. It wouldn't, uh, post, which is odd to me that's they're deleting my comment probably sheriffs probably no and or DHS
1: you have that ad set referring to Miami Doral. I believe it's numerous billions of dollars in the heart of Miami and again it's very 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 valuable for what I have it like a massive number of units depending on what deal you're making for zoning. And you can make a deal because they want tax revenue. Florida is, you know, to use a different word, progressive. But they're very progressive in a different way, in a different sense than what we think of progressive today. So there he's claiming Doral is worth billions of dollars. Um, And then the question is, so I'm just trying to understand what that process looked like from your view. How would you go about determining the values of the assets that are listed in the statement answer? For the most part, my people did this. They would give me a statement. I would certainly look at it, but I had not a lot to do with it. I just um, didn't consider it important because of the worthless clause. I just didn't consider it an important statement. What's the it worthless would be clause? It very hard to do a statement where every time you did a statement, you go out and hire appraisers and did this and that. You know what I mean? It would take you forever to do a statement. So you use common sense. You use some other things, you know, people come up with numbers. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. In this case, they were low because, I mean, in many of them, in many certainly, in a lot of them, they were low because time has told you that if you held on to these properties, they were worth much more than the numbers they put down. So there, Trump is saying he didn't rely on any appraisals um, or he didn't care so much about appraisals because he had the worthless clause and that he just thought to apply common sense. Obviously that's why you Attorney General Letitia James says it's actually you not got the way no you do common business sense, and why I think they were happy just to allow Donald Trump to keep talking with Trump. Traitor douche. Obama. There you have some of the key highlights there. You see Trump interrupting, you see the kind of the key moments, and there's a lot of that just repeated throughout the last five you know, the whole thing's about close to five hundred pages. So key moments right there. Wanted to give you the abbreviated version in you know under twenty minutes. Um, make sure you check out MidasTouch.com for all the breaking news. Wherever you get audio
2: podcasts, subscribe to it. Some
0: ideas for Tish James. Girl, bless her heart, and thanks you for your service. Just us for price. Camelot. Camelot. <laughs> so I'm proofing getting thousands of death threats because of this pernicious traitor and terrorist and thief. I'm a lot! It's kinda cool man, with my raspy voice. Raspy, I like it raspy, man. Mustn't be easy. 30,000...
2: I'm in you. You're in me. me. I'm in you. You're. Yeah. So you love, love I mean am in you. you Wasting away again In Margaritaville Da-na-na Wasting away again In Margaritaville
0: Searching Searching for for my my Lost Shaker song Some people claim. my own batter's ball Wasting away again in Margarita do. Searching for my lost shaker of Some people claim Wasting away again in Margaritaville
2: Searching Searching for my lost Shaker song Some people claim that there's
0: to the rest of that uh, interview with, uh, not Chris, Maeve, but, uh, um, Adrian Fuentes. I'm totally lawless, operation gets revealed in court one hour ago. Can't hide in court, bitch. Uh, come on out. Come on out with your hands up, stupid diaper Donald. You're gonna lose your freedom today, bitch. Justice Department's a bunch of pussy-ass bitches, but I ain't. Fucking rope your ass like a little dogie. Come on, choppy. Sweet! Sweet! I'm gonna hog-tie you! Sorry not sorry, biatch!
3: Like Going to jail! Mark Meadows doesn't fundamentally understand what his role was as chief of staff, and that's the reason right. that democracy was almost toppled. How do I know that? Because look at the position that Mark Meadows is taking in federal court, in which he testified, waived his Fifth Amendment privilege, in order to argue his fundamental misunderstanding and misapprehension of what the chief of staff's role is in the White House. He thought, apparently, that it was some sort of um, bootlicker, some sort of coffee getter, some sort of paper pusher, and that he would just schedule the meetings. And if Donald Trump wanted to have a phone call to... To advocate the overthrow of democracy what's a chief of staff
0: is supposed to do
3: you arrange that phone calls what are your jobs you go to buildings i'm paraphrasing as well, you go to buildings you go to meetings you go to ribbon, ribbon cuttings you get coffee you arrange phone calls that's just normal that's a that is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the role of that position is and this is why we got into so much trouble because we didn't have an adult in the room in the white house in the oval office to keep donald trump as far away from his deepest darkest insurrectionist urgings as possible there's a very good article in the new york times that i want to credit um written by chris whipple in the op-ed piece of the new york times about a book First that he's whistle. just come out with called Gatekeepers. And it talks about the fundamental role that White House chiefs of staff are supposed to play to be the gatekeepers. I mean, they're known with dark humor, with gallows humor, as javelin catchers. They're supposed to catch the javelin. They're supposed to be the firewall between what a president's wrongheaded, misbegotten ideas are even if it reaches the level, and especially if it reaches the level of insurrection and sedition, and make him not Why do that and to resign and bring other forces to bear to stop that president from becoming rogue and getting out of control. It's the exact opposite of how Mark Meadows approached his job. Mark Meadows, who, who considered himself or fancied himself some charming gladhander, just did whatever bidding Donald Trump told him to do. Donald Trump told mark meadows to jump and mark meadows said how high mr president that's the problem because phone calls that donald trump wanted to arrange wanted to arrange with state house officials elected officials election officials the the secretary of state of georgia the speaker of the house of arizona Ah. and 75 or 100 other phone calls that donald trump made along with his other people, to advocate for the overthrow of America should never have been placed if we had a chief of staff in Mark Meadows who understood his historical role and what he was supposed to do as, to paraphrase or to quote the book from Mr. Whipple, be a gatekeeper. And um, in the history, because every president after Washington had a chief of staff, a It's not a um, a cabinet position that needs to be confirmed by the Senate, but it is a very important role. It's considered often to be the second most powerful um, position in the world because of its role. Not that Mark Meadows, uh, chief of staff number four, ever saw it that way. Up until now, up until Mark Meadows, the worst chief of staff that's ever been in American history, has always always been considered to be H r haldeman the chief of staff for one richard nixon when i tell you what he was involved in and compare him to mark meadows you'll know why mark meadows now has the new crown, as the worst chief of staff ever and one who who at his feet we can lay the siege of america the almost toppling and insurrection that almost led to the theft of our democracy before our very eyes um, H.R. Haldeman was involved with a conspiracy that led by Richard Nixon, implemented by Richard Nixon, to break into the to the opponent's party's political office, the Democratic National Committee, and bug it, put a listening device in it, and steal some documents from it. Doesn't that seem quaint? What they were trying to is not that cute? What they were trying to do in 1972? I'll tell you what they weren't trying to do. They weren't trying to cling to power and stop the peaceful transfer. They weren't stealing votes at that time. They weren't trying to throw it over to the state houses to try to steal an election from Joe Biden. I mean, yeah, it was bad. And that's why H.R. Haldeman went to jail for obstruction, right, and other things. But Mark, the level of involvement by Mark Meadows is unparalleled. And the fact that he was stupid enough to take the stand, wave his fist privilege, <laughs> and try to tell Judge Jones, why he had no involvement at all, and Uh gave testimony that was perjurious, completely a lie, and against the weight of all evidence that we know, evidence that's contained in the John 6 report. You can get it at your local bookstore, Mark, and and Mark's lawyer. You don't even have to download it from the Internet. And if you go in there, you will see, and I've highlighted it, and I'll read from it a little bit later, the exact email that shows that you were involved and coordinated the fake elector scheme and scandal um, and you circulated the memo of Ken Chesbro, the lawyer
0: Jeez, bro. who promoted
3: the scheme to try to pressure Mike Pence to cling to power.
0: Cheesy and if you, bro. And so you
3: shouldn't be surprised that Fawny Willis made the argument that you were involved with the coordination of fake electors because it's in the report by Jan 6, sure. even the email that Fawny Willis used herself to cross-examine you what? the other day. Your pet's a member of the family. Oh, My Lily man. certainly is. Don't feed them like they're in the doghouse. Give them yeah, numb like numb. That. Gnome Gnome delivers fresh stuff. Legal on. AF Stop for 50%
0: we'll, talk about well, what was he supposed to do? On. The
3: boss told him to arrange a phone call Brad Raffensperger, and he ranged the phone call, and he got on it. You're not know. supposed to do that. You're supposed to say legal AF for 50% off. Try com slash legal AF. Let's go back to the gatekeeping function. The function of a, of a chief of staff to be a javelin catcher and a gatekeeper. And he's supposed to reel in a president's worst instincts and not empower them. Don't let him go over the cliff and take America and democracy with him. But Mark Meadows went, you know, totally abdicated his role and its his, his constitutional oath to protect America. Instead, he thought he was there just to keep the boots shine for Donald Trump and do whatever he told him to do. Every major event that's in the Jan 6 committee report somehow ties its way back to Mark Meadows. The crazies that sieged the West Wing and met with Donald Trump on December the 18th to encourage him to suspend the Constitution and declare martial law. Who let them in? The gatekeeper, Mark Meadows. Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, uh, the Overstock.com guy, Pat Byrne. All of them lobbying Mike Lindell. How do they get into the White House? Because Mark Meadows let them in. If Mark Meadows didn't want them there, he would say no and shut the door. And then he would tell his, his boss, Mr. Trump, at the time, Mr. Trump, Mr. President, I can't allow these people in, and if you're going to continue to do it, here is my resignation letter. But Mark Meadows never did that. He said, yes, sir, yes, sir, right away, sir, every time. When Donald Trump said to him, and this is how they spun it in the papers they filed in Georgia, his lawyers, Mark Meadow's lawyers, said, Well, what was he supposed to do? The boss told him to arrange a phone call, Brad Raffensburger, and he ranged the phone call and he got on it. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to say to the president, What's your what's your plan here, Mr President? And and the president would say, I'm gonna call Brad Raffensperger and his general counsel and I'm gonna threaten them and extort them and tell them to throw out eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty votes and make me the president. And that's where that's that moment of courage, right? Profile and courage when Mark Meadows is supposed to say, you cannot do that. You cannot do that, sir. And let me bring in some other cabinet members to make you understand you can't do that. If you don't do it, if you do it, you're doing it on your own. You make your own phone call, and here's my letter of resignation. That's what you have to do when you have courage, and you're trying to keep the guardrails of democracy up, not flattened on the side with Donald Trump running amok. So... It's the opposite. It's that you're not supposed to be on that phone call, because that phone call is never supposed to happen to Brad Raffensperger and those threats and extortion, because you as the chief of staff are the last line of defense for America. You you don't understand your job or your job description, and it's painful to watch you try to describe it and wiggle away from your responsibility in a court of law and watching you testify
2: at prize you can see big today with
0: sales and promotions on your favorite items at Price, your okay.
3: Mark Meadows has other things that he was involved with when he or the campaign for Donald Trump or Donald Trump himself thought it'd be a great idea for Mark Meadows to fly to Coffee County Georgia or drive there or however he got there to try to s- sneak his way in uh, during uh, an audit of the vote by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation and other Secretary of State investigators, he should have said, no, I'm not doing that. That's not a proper job for a chief of staff. Okay, that's a political hatchet job. That's a political job. That's a violation of the law regarding what I can do on duty or even off duty. That's political, I'm not gonna do that. Here's my resignation letter. You know where this is going, you see the pattern. Did he submit his resignation letter? Did he refuse to go to Coffee County? No. He went willingly to Coffee County. He tried to do a sidestep and get past, do an end run around. The chief investigator, Francis Watson, for the Secretary of State of Georgia, to get in the room. You're not supposed to do that when you're, the, when you're the chief of staff. That's not your job. You don't understand your job if you think that was appropriate. Right? And all the other things that you did that are listed in the jan 6 report we know tony willis and jack smith have in at their disposal all the text messages that you sent um, to state house legislators and others to encourage them to implement the fake elector scheme right let me read you some of your text messages in case you forgot from page 263 of the Jan 6 Report, Chapter 2, I just want to find 11,780 votes. These votes. are Mark Meadows' texts, and let me preface it by saying none of these texts are appropriate for a chief of staff, unless he's gone completely rogue and mad, and now committing criminal crimes. crimes.
0: Here's a text from Mark Meadows.
3: The state legislature can take over the electoral process. Mark Meadows' text to Georgia State Senator Marty Arbin. Agreed. Mark Meadows' text to a different sender who suggested that the Trump administration should get that out there if they were seriously considering the slate legislator's strategy. That's the fake elector strategy. I will tell him Mark Meadows' text to a sender who suggested that Trump should start building momentum for the state legislatures. I love it Mark Meadows' text to Representative Andy Biggs who relayed what he acknowledged as a highly controversial idea to have Republican legislatures appoint a uh, a new set of electors, and Mark Meadows writes, "I love it."
0: <laughs>
3: You're not supposed to say, "I love it," Mark. You're supposed to say, "That's inappropriate." That's criminal. I need to ensure Bob. that the guardrails of democracy and my constitutional duties are upheld, and not do the political biddings and rogue instincts of my boss. This is now very apparent that Mark Meadows was the wrong person at the wrong time in the wrong job. I'm not saying that Jan 6, the electoral interference by Donald Trump, could have been avoided if we had a person of conviction, an adult, someone who understood the historical role of the chief of staff in that position, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Mark Meadows, you were the last firewall to protect democracy, and you abdicated that responsibility and violated your own. And... You are now, you have the crown as the worst chief of staff in the history of America, replacing H.R. Haldeman.
0: Yeah, fuck you, who Trader.
3: Been, because he went to jail and convicted of his involvement with in the conspiracy, but you make him look like kindergarten. Your involvement in the Trump conspiracy to cling to power makes H.R. Haldeman look like he got convicted of jaywalking. Because huh. in yours, you flew down to Georgia, you met with people, you sent texts, You extorted them, you encouraged them, you coordinated the fake electors, you coordinated state legislators to back Donald Trump, right? You led the effort on the uh, fraudulent vote big lie, even when you knew, you knew that it was untrue. You knew because there were independent fraud experts that, that Trump himself hired for a couple million dollars who told you they were untrue. And you, and you stood there and you looked the American people in the eye and you said, I am your chief of staff, I will protect you from the worst instincts of the occupant of the Oval Office, and you didn't do that. You didn't do it because you were either charmed by Donald Trump or you have larceny in your own heart and you decided it was in your political best interest and future financial best interest to back the horse of Donald Trump. And so you laid down for him and you didn't perform your duties as chief of staff. And we know this, and we know that he's going to be, not only as we know he's prosecuted, but indicted, likely, whether it's in state or federal court, doesn't matter, because of the array of evidence against and witnesses. Cassidy Hutchinson, who was Mark Meadows' right-hand person, his assistant, is already cooperating with Fawny Willis and Jack Smith. Not just testifying for them in grand juries, but cooperating with them. She's got all the receipts, she's got all the text messages and the emails, and she's going to testify against Mark Meadows and has been cooperating with Thotie Willis to prepare their case. So when you took the stand in Georgia to try to convince Judge Jones that you didn't have anything to do with anything politically, didn't you calculate that Cassidy Hutchinson, who formerly worked for you, was going to dump all over you and tell the truth? Didn't you think that Fani Willis developed in her year of a grand jury or seven months of a special purpose grand jury hearing from witnesses like Pat Cipollone, who was the White House counsel for Donald Trump and had many interaction with you? Didn't you think that Fani Willis would get her hands on that? Didn't you think Fani Willis would get her hands on all the Jan 6 information, including the Jan 6 report that's in the public domain about your role? And particularly about the emails that you sent circulating the fake elector scheme and trying to arrange it and coordinate it, which is where you committed perjury on the stand when you said you had no role whatsoever. Read the book, Mark, or wait for the movie. You can always wait. You can wait to see who's going to play you in the movie. Uh-huh. Instead, when you get out of jail, I mean, because you'll be going to jail. Or prison, I'm not sure which. So this is the reporting we have right now. My analysis based on the testimony, uh, the perjurious testimony of Mark Meadows on the stand this past week, that Mark Meadows fundamentally does not understand the role of the White House chief of staff and allowed Donald Trump to get away with all of his rogue behaviors to try to topple America because we had a weakling in that position who did not step up to the historical moment and be a firewall for democracy. Ah, I'm going to cover.
0: we just replace the them the with another.
3: That occupy or had yes, occupied ma'am. our most
2: lofty positions of power on hot takes like this one. Oh. Old
0: diaper Donald would have filled his. Scott was somebody who was a yes man. point. So even if Mark Meadows. Had resigned. More people need to pay attention to the GOP crimes. Trump surrounds himself with yes men, so it's hardly a surprise that Meadows ended up doing everything Trump wanted him to do. Meadows thinks his ignorance of the laws is plausible defense, and he will find out otherwise wasn't ignorant of the law. He was driven by greed and the need for power. Meta should be held accountable while Trump is being held accountable not one after the other. Fundamental misunderstanding is that we are a democracy, not a fascist dictatorship.